you are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson. Because democracy doesn't just happen. So as I said in the in the intro, there's a rather concerning uh, bill that has just been recently passed in by our president, the Internet Censorship Bill. Something which a young Vermeulen from uh, my broadband. He's actually the editor in chief of my broadband. Has been following for quite some time, and he's here today to talk to us about. Good day, Jan. Trust you well. Good afternoon, Rob. It's great to be here. Great to be back. Oh, fantastic! Always good to have you have you on on the show here. Always have some fascinating uh, topics to talk about, and your in-depth reporting reporting certainly does shed some light on really important important issues. One of those is the internet censorship bill, which, you know, kind of missed everyone's, uh, missed or fell off the radar of, of, of everyone. When nobody noticed it because of the problems with the government printing works. Can you tell us a bit more about about the bill and perhaps also shed some light on, on the GPW? Yes, sure thing. It's, it's been an, uh, an absolute frustration. But yes, let's talk about the bill first and, and then get to talking about my frustration about how this whole thing played out. Mm. So, so firstly, the bill is officially called the Film and Publications Amendment Act. Uh, it used to be called the bill, but the, um, but the president signed it into law back in 2019, um, October 2019. And then it was just kind of w- waiting there for an enactment date for the the uh, you know the, the, the it can, can be called either an enactment or put into operation or whatever but essentially the president signs off and it puts it in the government gazette and says this is when the law will become will enter into effect and then on the 1st of march yesterday we get a press release from the film and publications board to say oh by the way the law um was uh, was promulgated or proclaimed the the effective the, the effect date was proclaimed in the government gazette on friday it's effective from today from the 1st of march yeah. and so needless to say there was uh, lots of impolite things said around our office um at that moment because um like you know, we're at the point where we're looking at stuff like this and going, our government is behaving in a way that is against the law now. This is this is actually unconstitutional. You you cannot you cannot uh, push through laws without giving the public notice that that things are happening. And and let me put that into context. Why? I'm saying that, um, you know, the, the government printing works still produces a, probably a paper copy of the government gazette. I don't know how you get one delivered because I tried to contact the head of publishing last week and um, got an, a bounce back on my email. My, my email just said, you know, this, this email address is undelivered. Wow. I tried calling the head of the, of the um, GPW. She, she responded to me in the past regarding the downtime um, of their website. Um, I've tried calling her for clarity, and and um, the the phone the call actually just went nowhere. And so, p- part of the reason nobody has access and that there's no forewarning about this stuff is if you go to the Government Printing Works website now, it's gpwonline.co.za, and you try to use it, it it's it's online now at least, but it's it's um, but it's just the front page. 
the only thing that you that you can see is the home page. Nothing else works. The no gazetto, no new gazettes are being published or uploaded. There's a separate site called greengazette.co.za that also hasn't been updated uh, until recently. And so now I see that they've uh, finally um, uploaded uh, to the Green Gazette these legal notices. They were not there yesterday, um, but as of today, it looks like um, they updated, the, they uploaded to the Green Gazette um, some of these notices. So at least there's one way that they're communicating with people, but it's literally we had to find out um, on the day that the law has been made law uh, because none of these platforms had been updated. Uh, the Green Gazette, until now, until this morning, had not been updated since the end of January. The the Government Printing Works website, GPW Online, has been has been broken since the middle of January. And when we asked them, listen, what's going on here? You know, they, they told us quite helpfully. They got back to me very quickly and said, listen, sorry, there's been a hardware failure. We're working on it. We should be up within the week. That was at the end of January. And uh, and here we are. And so, you know, it's just been an absolute frustration. Um, and, and you know, having them tell us, listen, this will be up within the week. And here we are in March already. A whole month has gone by since they promised it would be back online. And nothing has happened. All we've got now is the homepage of, of the, of the government works website. It's, it's a huge problem that is flying below the radar because I, I don't think a lot of people are, are civically active, but basically this means that the people who, who, who watch the watches have had their eyeballs gouged out. That's what, that's what's happened here. That's exactly what it is. And I am speaking from, from an organization that, that does promote public participation. It's been incredibly difficult yes. to get, to get information out, out of government at this stage. Nobody seems to know how to get hold of a, a copy of, of the government gazette. Uh, besides the the online PDF versions, and that's caused an unbelievable amount of of frustration. Uh, and they claim, as you say, technical issue or hardware breakdown. Jan, but sorry, you know more about the technical technical aspects of of a website and and hosting. But what possible technical glitch or hardware failure could last this long? So funny, it's an interesting thing to ask because we've seen a very similar kind of situation play out uh, last year with a ransomware attack on the Department of Justice. And uh, the Department of Justice was so badly affected that the, the court recording system, uh, the master's offices, everything was essentially offline for weeks. And only by hook or by crook, did they manage to get something working? You know, the masters would spin up Gmail addresses. It, it really wasn't ideal. And that, like some of the systems have been brought online now, but it took them, um, I speak under correction, but upwards of eight weeks to just get basic functionality up. And so uh, that, was, that was a ransomware uh, attack on the Department of Justice. And part of the reason, um, uh, you know, a hardware failure or a ransomware attack might take down an essential online government service like that for weeks on end is is because there's no backups or the backups are hard to get to or it, the, the bottom line is is that you know the backups that you need to restore the service the site or the the platform whatever has been knocked offline 
those backups aren't readily available. Or, or what, would be, what would be even worse is they're out of date. So if the backups are out of date, now all of a sudden you have to try and reconstruct the data that was on the website. So for the government gazette for the, and the government printing works, that would mean tracking down um, all these old copies of gazettes from wherever they might have had them if, they, if their data backups got destroyed uh, together with this hardware failure and trying to, to um, hack the, the website together again. But, but honestly, if this were the private sector, someone would have been fired on day three of the website not being functional. Um, it is utterly unacceptable that, it, that, that for some reason it's okay for government uh, websites to go offline due to hardware failure specifically now. The, the ransomware attack is a different issue altogether. I don't have all the information there. Um, it is still terrible that the Department of Justice could be brought so low by a simple ransomware attack. Mm -hmm. But in this particular case, a hardware failure is even worse. Like hardware failure is something you should be planning for. There is no excuse to be offline for weeks um, due to hardware failure. You replace the hardware, you bring your server back online. That should be done within a couple of hours for an essential service. For something like the Government Gazette that doesn't quite work on hourly timeframes, but on daily timeframes, then maybe you can be offline for a couple of days. But to be offline since mid-January is completely unacceptable. Absolutely. And it does seem kind of suspicious. I mean, we have no idea of of what bills have been published and open for comment. And you know, usually these bills are open for around about 30 days or in some right. cases 30 working days. The, the website's been down for longer than, than the, the designated comment period. So we, we have no idea of, of what's actually gone, gone past, gone fl flown under the, the radar of the public and, and what has actually been passed. I mean, one perfect example is this uh, internet censorship or, or as, as you correctly named it there, the, the act earlier on. Yes. That's, to me, that's absolute madness. Does it sound suspicious? It sounds highly suspicious to me, almost as if it was planned. Right, right, um, and it, it is awfully suspicious. But uh, I, I um, live by Heinlein's razor, which says uh, to never attribute to malice what is adequately explained by incompetence. So, <laughs> uh, un until un uh, if I if I see evidence that there was in fact a conspiracy, I'll be first to say to call it out. Uh, but until such time, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and and assume that they they're just useless. Um, and, and not corrupt for now. I'd have to agree with that. With, with that. And we've seen evidence of incompetence in, in many cases before. It's not the first time this, this website has been down. I think it was down right. late, uh, late last year. It was also down and we were unable to get a couple of important bills out then. And it amazes me that they didn't learn from previous mistakes where exactly the same thing has happened. As you say, it's standard practice to have a backup or multiple backups on a daily basis for any uh, internet hosted service. It really yeah. blows, blows my mind. Yeah, but right. Honestly, I, I run a I run a little dinky forum for for gaming for you know video games for a video game community, and uh, I would be able to recover from data loss faster or from a hardware failure faster than 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 these guys would. It's 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 just unbelievable to me. Yeah. Um, uh, anyway. Now, now, as a, this bill has been uh, signed in, or as it's now an act by 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 the president, 
would there be a possibility to challenge it in as the adequate public participation was not was not followed on on the uh, draft classification for the films games and, and certain publications act how, how would we go about about doing this and do you think anything would would be successful from that I, I'm, I don't know. Um, to be completely honest, a lawyer it would be would be better mm. positioned to answer that question because, as far as I know, there was a public consultation process, um, and a, a frustrating one. Make no mistake. Um, speaking to to lawyers in the field um, about this, uh, th- they were they were utterly unimpressed by the way this went down. Um, so the the bill was was published for comment. They provided their feedback. They slated the the bull in the media uh, because it was just so poorly written and and then you know the next draft comes out and they go this is this is horrible they've they've fixed nothing you know com- you know but <laughs> they've taken none of the feedback on board then it just kind of gets railroaded through parliament you know mm-hmm. uh, it goes through the parliamentary discussion uh, procedures goes through the national council of provinces the national assembly then you know, gets in front of the president and just gets signed into law. And so it, it did, as far as I know, technically go through the correct procedures before it was assented to. Um, the, the, the fact uh, there might be like a, a minor challenge that could be, that could be brought, um, you know, by the fact that they, that it was proclaimed on the 25th and came into effect on the 1st and, uh, no one was given adequate warning about this because there were just no notices about this published until the Film and Publication Board invited media to an event <laughs> over email yesterday. Um, uh-huh. But it's such a it's such a it's such a niggly thing. I, I'm not sure it can be challenged on those grounds. The the way to challenge it now, unfortunately, is to at great cost take it to the Constitutional Court. Yes, and that that is the problem when when adequate uh, public participation isn't followed, it always results in a really expensive and lengthy uh, challenge to to the adopted legislation. So let's hope there is some sort of a way we can actually challenge it based on the fact that it was not readily available to to the public. But tell us a bit more uh, about this uh, now act. Is it why is it so controversial? Right. Yeah. So, um, so a couple of a couple of reasons. Um, the the first one is because uh, effectively the 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 act gives the Film and Publications Board sweeping powers over freedom of expression in South Africa. Right. So um, Dominic Cole from Ellipsis Regulatory Solutions summed this up nicely uh, for us when he said that essentially. If someone finds something objectionable online, uh, they can submit it to the Film and Publications Board, and and um, the, the the what they've given themselves power over is what the, is what they call prohibited content. Prohibited content is broadly defined as propaganda for war, incitement of imminent violence, advocacy of hatred that is based on an identifiable group. Uh, and that constitutes incitement to cause harm or child pornography. Now, in between the lines there, there's it's it's hate speech, right? So so hate speech is something that 
um, there is danger of it being abused, right? So while the intention behind behind dealing with hate speech might be noble, uh, uh, unfortunately, th- there's scope there for abuse by the government itself and by a, a, you know someone just looking to abuse loopholes in the law. Um, and so you could technically lodge a complaint with the Film and Publications Board for a piece of online content saying, you know, it's it's prohibited content, objectionable or hate speech. And um, and in fact, you, you could maybe even just make up your, uh, you, you could you could you could uh, cause some some drama for someone by uh, by saying, listen, this piece of content is not rated. It should be rated under the Film and Publications Board guidelines. And so it should not be allowed to be exhibited in South Africa, right? So let's say you've posted um, a, a piece, you know, something to to uh, Facebook that somebody finds objectionable. Now they can say, or, or a YouTube video, probably more likely. Um, and now someone can, can post that to the FPB and say, this um, should, you know, should either be rated or it's objectionable and needs to be taken down. Um, and now all of a sudden, the Film and Publications Board has has written into law uh, powers for it to take action against that content. They can then send a takedown notice to the host of that content. So if you're hosted with an internet service provider, the internet service provider becomes obligated to take it down. And uh, we'll have to see how, how big tech companies respond to this, but they tend to try to follow the laws of the land wherever they operate. But if someone sends them a takedown notice, you know, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, whoever, then they might have to act on it and, and pull the content down. Um, and so there's there's real danger of, and that's why it was called the censorship bill to begin with, is because there's real danger of it being abused for censorship by by using loopholes in what's meant to protect people and society against propaganda for war, incitement of violence, advocacy of hatred, um, but which, you know, uh, unscrupulous individuals might weasel in between the definitions uh, to try and uh, and and um, have the law, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, serve at their own nefarious ends. Um, so that's probably the biggest and most controversial issue uh, with the, the censorship bill. And uh, I've now not gone into length about how uh, certain things are defined and, and, uh, and you know, I've not quoted from it. I don't want to bore people to tears. Um, but that's the, the major thing. Then the second, um, the second related thing is that uh, there's, a, there's a burgeoning community of people who are making a living in South Africa, on platforms like YouTube, TikTok, mainly YouTube and TikTok, right? Um, because they, uh, YouTube especially has a very generous um, revenue share program with the creators on the platform. TikTok has a revenue share program, not quite as generous, but it still has one that, that pays quite well. And Twitch uh, is the other one. Twitch, so, so YouTube owned by Google, Twitch owned by Amazon. Right, so all of these, all of these platforms, and then TikTok, uh, owned by a Chinese company called ByteDance. Um, all of these companies have ways 
in which they reward creators for content on those platforms. Basically, an ad gets rolled in front of your video or during your video and you get paid for it. That very simple, how it works. And now what this uh, Film and Publications Amendment Act has effectively done is it's made it so that every piece of content uh, technically needs to go to them for classification first. Now, you know, they've said that, no, it's not going to work that way. But the thing is, if you go by the letter of the law, this is effectively the power it gives it. It's then that FPB's choice, <coughs> excuse me, not to enforce it, right? And that's a problem. That is definitely um, a problem. It is, yes. it is, one wonders how, how they could actually enforce it as well. I mean, we know South Africa comes up with fantastic laws, but the enforcement thereof is always is always a, a problem. But we're going to take a, a quick break. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson, because democracy doesn't just happen. And welcome back to 101.9 High FM. We're chatting today with Jan Vermeulen, editor in large of my broadband about the controversial <coughs> new. <laughs> a controversial new uh, Internet Censorship Act, which is visible, but is now an act as it was signed in by the president yesterday. Jan, tell us a bit more about the dangers posed on the public uh, with, with this bill. Uh, sure thing, yeah. So, sorry about that. I'm a, for, for, for the listeners at home, I, I'm a little sick. I'm working from home today, hence <laughs> the, uh, the coughing. So, yes, just... Have, uh, you, had, well, have you been tested? <laughs> I have not been tested yet. Um, but my apologies uh, up, uh, up front. Um, yeah, so uh, the, the, the law also uh, does uh, other interest. So, okay, hang on a second. Let's let's start here with the the penalties it imposes, right? So, so we've discussed now broadly the issues that have been raised regarding the danger of the use of this for censorship, regarding complaints from the uh, budding uh, internet content creation community on YouTube, Twitch, and TikTok um, in South Africa regarding classification, and you know the 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 fact that they're they're now default you know they're going to be in violation of the law and and what does that mean if someone wants to be malicious and go yeah but you're you know now now technically everybody's a criminal right or or at least they're they're putting something online unlawfully now here's um an an, uh, <laughs> an interesting one uh the the lawyers we chatted to uh, said that technically the film and publications act makes it a criminal offense to distribute a film online without first getting the Film and Publications Board to give it an age restriction, right? Now, this is what the Film and Publications Board should be doing, right? They should be age-restricting content. So platforms like Netflix, uh, Prime Video, uh, Showmax is already under the FPB because multi-choice has had a relationship with the Film and Publications Board all these years. But it makes sense for these platforms to... Uh, to now fall under the Film and Publication Board's regulations. They, they need to, uh, there has to be some sort of regime, um, I would expect, similar to perhaps the way the UK one works, which is kind of what the FEB is, is doing here, to give especially parents the tools they need to make informed decisions about what their children should and should not be watching, right? That is the Film and Publication Board's role. And 
for, for some reason, it's it's decided it wants to now go after more than that, right? And and wants to extend it, its powers to every piece of content on the internet. Now, now the penalty I was talking about, if you distribute a film, and film, by the way, um, the way it's defined in the act could very easily mean YouTube video. If you're convicted, you face a fine of up to 150,000 rand and imprisonment for up to five, for eight months. So it's it's either a fine or imprisonment or both, right? Wow. And uh, and and uh, the the thing is, <laughs> the other thing that's quite frustrating and why the the lawyers said that the law was just so incredibly badly written is that it actually contains a clause for non-commercial distributor, right? So somebody who doesn't necessarily make money off of it, but Non-commercial, the, the, the term non-commercial distributor does not appear anywhere else except in the definitions and in one unrelated place. In the, in the place where it's, it sets up the criminal liability, non, non-commercial distributor doesn't, doesn't come up there. It's not, so if you're a non-commercial distributor, you could still get slapped with a final prison time. Uh, because they've not given you an exception in the law. We thought that the regulations might clarify this. The regulations were out for public comment in 2020, and they didn't. <laughs> um, the, we, we haven't seen what the regulations look like after the public comment yet, so I don't know, maybe maybe they'll fix it. But if they, if they treat the regulations the same way they treated the Act, then uh, it's not going to be fixed. So, so that's the that's the one thing, um, and then uh, arguably something uh, good that's come out of the act, uh, but once again debatable. But debatable whether it should be in this act or not, is that it has criminalized revenge porn, and put certain responsibilities on internet service providers. It's also criminalized um, photographs or films depicting sexual violence and violence against children. And the the penalties there are also 150,000 rand. It's actually between 150 and 750,000 rand mm-hmm. uh, fine and prison time from six months to five years. Um, and then it also makes internet service providers criminally liable if they knew that this content was being distributed on their services. So how you would you would prove foreknowledge that that's incredibly difficult, but that does make sense. You know, if you've got if you've got hard proof proving that somebody knowingly distributed content like that, I say, by all means, criminalize it and and, and hold them accountable. But the question is, why must this be in the FPB Act? Why must it fall under the Film and Publications Board and not under the Cybercrimes Act? Like, to my mind, you know, the FPB in doing their job might come across content like this. And my heart goes out to anybody who, who does have to deal with that. But then you do what they've always, they must do what they've always done in the past, which is hand it over to the police mm. to, to prosecute from there. It is, it is bizarre to me that it's necessary to, to, to put these criminal liabilities in the FPB Act when we have the Cybercrimes Act. I know that they, they were kind of being done at the same time, but, you know, they could see the Cybercrimes Act was coming. Uh, so it, it's silly to me that you now have two different pieces of legislation dealing with two very similar things 
and I think the offenses might even be different. I must actually go, or the, 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 sorry, the, the penalties might actually be different. So now, you know, a court must now go and decide when somebody finally gets prosecuted under these new laws, which one of these penalties to apply. It's, uh, it's a bizarre state of affairs. Yeah, that is an absolute bizarre state of affairs, but it's, it's not un- unexpected. I think this, this just goes to show that there seems to be a definite uh, problem when government operates in, in silos like, like this and an idea is put out in, in parliament or wherever it might be and different, different sectors and, and different committees uh, tackle the, the same issues and they don't seem to, co- to coordinate and talk, talk to each other. <clears throat> who suffers at the end of the day? It's, it's us, the public. And uh, who makes the money at the end of the day? Well, obviously, the, the legal teams trying trying to sort it out uh, either way. Um, yeah. But we're going to take another quick, quick break. You are listening to Dear Parliament with Rob Hutchinson. Because democracy doesn't just happen. And welcome back to our listeners. And we're dealing with... Two sick people here, myself and and Jan, who will probably go for COVID testing after the show. <clears throat> sorry, sorry, Jan. <clears throat> just to just to wrap up, Jan. Um, what what would you do if uh, the former publications board contacted you uh, for, because some uh, some reader complained about some publication that 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 you put out and. And so, what what would be your process? Right. So, so this is where it's a little unfair, and uh, hopefully, people will appreciate how hard I'm fighting about this, given the fact that I'm not affected by this at all. The press are given wide exemptions from this uh, because we fall under the press ombudsman. So, uh-huh. as long as long as you are regulated by another entity, so uh, so the, that includes ICASA, the independent the Communications Authority of South Africa, the the Independent Communications Authority of South Africa, the, the telecoms regulator. If you if you are regulated by them, or if you're regulated by the press ombud, then uh, then you're given wide exemptions from a lot of these from a lot of these requirements. But yes, if I were if I were the first person that's being made an example of, um, you know, let's say you know you're a YouTuber, you're not technically registered under the press ombud, but you but you do political hot takes on uh, YouTube, you know, that's quite popular nowadays, Um, and somebody comes after you, then I would go to one of the various nonprofits in the country, Freedom of Speech um, or Freedom of Expressions Institute, perhaps even the IRR, like anybody who stands up for freedom of expression in South Africa, and and perhaps they'd be be, uh, willing to, to help you fight it. Um, because uh, yeah, going to court is unfortunately an incredibly expensive proposition, and yeah. and uh, these government agencies have y- your tax money behind them to, to to fight you in court. It's 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 actually a uh, it's actually a pretty twisted state of affairs. Um, and and I should highlight part of the reason um, the, the the lawyers I spoke to find it so objectionable that the Fulham Publications Board would effectively set themselves up to be arbiters over freedom of expression in South Africa is because they are completely unelected. Are. So aside from the rest of the political situation in South Africa that we can, that, that's a whole separate discussion, these officials are deployed 